Good morning, Calvary family, and happy Mother's Day. I'm hope you're, I hope you're able to. Good morning, Calvary family, and happy Mother's Day. I hope you're able to celebrate your mothers today, whether you've been with them 24-7 or you've been separated from them because of social distancing. I hope you're um, able to take some time to really love them well today. Uh, will you pray with me? Dear King Jesus, we just ask that you be with Daniel today as he brings us the word. I ask that you open our hearts and our minds so that we can gain wisdom and um, gain a closer relationship with you. I ask that you be with us today as we are able to love our mamas a little bit um, intentionally and creatively so that they know that um, we just love them so much and we love you so much and we thank you for all that you've given to us. Amen. Good morning, Calvary. Hope you enjoyed worship so far today. As we are jumping in, I want to be remiss without saying Happy Mother's Day to moms out there. We also know that this is a difficult day for many and know that we're praying for you, whether it's a loss of a, a loved one who is a mother or something else along those lines. Know that we love you and we're care for you um, during this time as well. As we dive into this story, I, I want to tell you one of the stories that my mom remembers from me when I was a little boy. I don't really remember this that much, but when I was a real little boy, I would go around the house and apparently we had a Nerf hoop up and my favorite saying was, he shoots, he scores. And I would do that over and over again to where my mom and dad would be like, can you stop saying he shoots, he scores? Even if I missed, I was saying he shoots, he scores. And when I was a little boy in Dallas, the Mavericks were horrible, but I still had this imagination that allowed me to be the one that allowed the Dallas Mavericks to be awesome. Or uh, I imagined myself being Roger Staubach slash Troy Aikman as that was kind of the segue of the time for those of you who know your, your sports. And I remember thinking, I want this. I want this goal. And so sports was always a predominant theme in my life. My mom said I learned to say the word ball before I learned to say the word mom. And that back in the day before ESPN even existed, she would sit me down in front of the TV and if bowling was on, I would sit there for hours going, see ball, mom, see ball, when I was a real little. So I've always loved sports. And so it's no wonder that when I began to grow in early childhood, uh, my mom decorated my part of the room, because I was a twin, with sports posters. And the sports posters were great. And, and I loved them and they were inspiration. Sometimes I picked them out. And I was thinking back on one of them and the sports poster that was real popular back in the day, and you can actually still find it on Amazon, um, actually covers the verses from Philippians that we're going to talk about this week. And it's found in Philippians 3. We're going to read verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. And I remember seeing those sports posters, the, the athlete doing the racer. I remember seeing a skiing poster. I, one I looked up on Amazon the other day is actually one of rowers. And, and they said, I, I picture, you know, the, the goal. I, I haven't attained the goal yet. And, and that's how, as a kid, I read that verse, but that's not what that verse is about. And I'm not, I'm not even trying to, to make fun of those posters because those posters just put it on a nice setting, right? But the goal 
isn't about what we can accomplish. So let's start by going through what is our goal, and we're going to do that through review of Philippians real quick. It starts with this idea that Paul is encouraging us despite our circumstances, right? He's shackled. We've been through this week after week, but in case you're new, he's shackled in a prison cell, sending Epaphroditus back to the Philippians to encourage them. And in the middle of that, there's this beautiful centrality of Christ verse that talks about the supremacy of Christ and how he is in and through all us and that we should humble ourselves and follow his example. And after that, he talks about this is why we are here. Therefore, this is what we're here for, to live out pointing people to Christ. And last week, we talked about what it really looks like to do that, to have a kingdom perspective. How easy it is to make it about us, even though it's not. How it's really... Um, about pointing people to Christ and how God can do amazing things through us when we abandon making the world about us and that God doesn't look at our problems as much as he looks at them as opportunities to help people draw into him. So we use this illustration of the, the other childhood story of the five loaves and the two fish and how Jesus used that as an example to teach the disciples about how he was taking care of us. And so Paul is doing this, and he's saying, make every effort to keep the goal the goal. What's the goal? The supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ in your life, in my life. And when I think about that, um, he, he, he says, make every effort to do so. I, I love that. That's make every effort really gives me something to do, right? We all, this is what I'm learning in times of struggle and times of trials, like give me something to do, right? Or that you have the people who want to check out. But most of us are like, give me something to do. I want to feel like I'm accomplishing something. That's what the ministers in your church right now are feeling. We want to do something. And as we're doing stuff, I, I think it's important for us to understand what we're doing it and why we're doing it for. But it also reminds me of another story that I'm going to segue into this Philippians, the story of Peter. Because when I think of a guy who tried his best, make every effort, I think of Peter. I mean, Peter, come follow me. He dropped his livelihood right there and started following Jesus. I mean, that's, that's a pretty ginormous effort. I don't know where I got the word ginormous, but we're going to go with it, right? That's, that's a huge effort to, to say, okay, I'm going to drop my career right here and right now to pursue you. And as he follows Christ, he learns more and more about Christ and he begins to grow in that and he becomes part of Jesus's inner circle. That's kind of what all the holy people want to feel like is I'm the inner circle, right? And he, he, he sees Christ do amazing things. He begins to grow in his faith. And we fast forward all of that to where time and time again, you see Peter fall down and, and get up, but he's growing, he's growing, he's growing. And in the upper room, Jesus announces to the disciples, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter kind of goes, I see him just kind of going, <laughs> which one of you suckers is it? Right? This is, by the way, the Daniel Standard Version. And he, it's like, which one of these? Jesus, surely not me, because I think he kind of wanted Jesus, in my opinion, to say, oh, no, Peter, it wouldn't be you. You're such a good boy. You know, like we want accolades. And so he was manipulating the situation and and Jesus uses this moment to pivot and teach us a lesson that Paul is addressing here in Philippians 3. And he says to Peter, before the rooster crows, tonight you will betray me three times. I think Peter in that moment didn't really believe it. 
because he was all in. And I look at our circumstances and I, I think, okay, I'm making every effort. And then something like this pandemic hits. Something like cancer hits. Something that rocks your faith. A divorce that you didn't know. Something, something in your life hits and hits you like a freight train. And the faith that you thought all of a sudden in that moment is being rocked. And your best efforts is making you do things that you never thought you would do. It's Mother's Day. So moms, how many of you woke up today thinking, I'm going to be the best mom today because it's Mother's Day, and we're not going to argue at all? Now, I encourage you, because you know, you're still in your house, if you want to raise your hand and show your kids, how many of you feel like today, before you've watched this video, you've already failed at that goal, right? And if you have already failed at that goal, it can make you feel like, I am the world's worst Christian. Here it is, a day that's supposed to be celebrating how mothers and how we pour into their life and I've already failed and and that's a little example how often do we feel that weight that magnitude of what God wants us to do but where our efforts fall short now when Paul says make every effort he's drawing us to a challenge that says I'm not going to let complacency take hold I'm going to grow in my faith. But he also wraps that around with this little safety net that says forgetting what is behind and reaching for what is ahead. How do you forget what is behind? In the story of Peter, we pick up the story in John chapter 21. Jesus has already been crucified and, and now he's raised again. He's walking around the earth. He's already encountered the disciples a few times, and he's out cooking some fish. Peter talks to him, and he says, When you've eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Why would he say that like that? Because I think when Peter was saying, I wouldn't be the one who sins, he was saying, I, I love you more than all these people. That's my opinion. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Verse 16, the second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Then shepherd my sheep. He asked him a third time, and I think the third time he did, don't you know that Peter's heart just went, oh, he could hear the rooster crowing, and it wasn't even crowing live. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. And then he goes on and he says, follow me. And I'm wondering, as we look at what Paul is challenging the Philippians, at the story that Jesus is challenging Peter, how often when a pandemic-type situation either makes us draw closer to God or makes us feel more like a failure because we've realized we've fallen short of what we were supposed to do because we succumb to the worries. We succumb to the anger. We succumb to the, the doubt, the disillusionment because life exploded, right? And we're wanting to know where Jesus is in the midst of those. But Jesus doesn't expect you to be perfect. So how do we balance that tension? 
how do we balance that tension? Because, okay, there's one sign, there's a, a paper I did in seminary on antinomianism. I didn't know what the word meant at the time, and I just want to show you that I actually did a paper one time. And But antinomianism means against the name, those who believe that, okay, I can live and do whatever I want to because God's going to forgive me anyways. Well, that's not making any effort, and that's living actually against what the call is. But even in that, did you hear when Paul says, forgetting what is behind you fall down, but you get up. But when you get up, you don't sit there and stare at your failures. You reach forward to the call. Do you realize you're called today? You, on that couch, are called to have a relationship with Christ. If you've never done that, Jesus looks down and he, he gave his life up so that you might know him. He died on the cross so that you could have a relationship despite your shortcomings. He looks down and he wants to reach out to the couch that you're sitting on and go, Child, I love you. You can trust me. And he's calling you and waiting for you to answer that call. If you've never done that, we'd like you to reach out to us at yourcalvary.info slash follow. The link should be on the screen and we're going to follow up with you. But after we are called to salvation, he also calls us to live for him. That's what we've already talked about in the book of Philippians. But he's, Paul is reminding us, don't let your hurdles stop you. Don't let your failures make you quit the effort. Fall down, get up, and pursue the goal. Fall down, get up, and try again. Mom, if you're sitting here going, I was the world's worst mom this morning. He called me out on that. I didn't. It was just a random, normal, logic, percentage kind of thing. That's what happens on Mother's Day, people. And so what I would say to you is the rest of the day doesn't have to be that way. The rest of your life doesn't have to be that way. We are fools when we think that we are come to the power of sin to dictate the way that we are going to control the rest of our lives. If you think that you are stuck in an anger pattern and can't escape it, you're wrong. God is calling you to a higher calling that comes from walking with him. If you think that you're supposed to succumb the rest of your life to living in a pattern of anger, of fear, of worry, a doubt, or whatever that may be, you are wrong. Child, God looks down on you and he says, make every effort. But just like the disciples couldn't feed the masses, God's going to take those five loaves and two fish and give you more than you can ever imagine if you trust him. And guess what? You're not going to be perfect. Just because you try today doesn't mean you're going to master it. Perfectionist in the room. I forget what type that is in the Enneagram. Type one, I think. You just need to breathe. See the very fact that you know you're type one as you were screaming into the screen. Type one! Right? It's, it's all of you just need to... You're not going to be perfect. But you are called. So as we wrestle with that, the calling, the call to follow God and to, to become a better person and followers share what they know to help other people, what does that look like to reach and to grow knowing that we're going to fall? Verse 15 and 16 of chapter 3 of Philippians. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about God, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. So we, 
We strive for the truth and to live for the truth. But how do we do that? Through maturity. Have you tried to mature your faith? How do you know if you are mature in your faith? I mean, you could be a Christian for 40 years and still be in uh, toddler clothes, right? Our churches, uh, they use the famous phrase, can be full of, of, of grown boys that shave. Do we grow? Have you grown in your faith? Do you even know what that looks like? It's hard to define maturity, but let me tell you what Carrie Newhoff, and I wish Phillips were here right now. He'd tell me how to pronounce that name right, but we're going to go with that. Um, Carrie says, here are five ways to know that you're not mature, because sometimes the easiest way to describe if you are is by looking at what you aren't. Five ways to know that you aren't as mature as you think you are. You have pride in how much Bible you know. You can put that person down and tell them how they're wrong. And you're like, I'm pretty holy. That's pretty much Peter. Congratulations. Number two, you practice grace without truth. Oh, it's okay. God will forgive you. You did the best you could. And we don't challenge people to grow or mature. You practice truth without grace. Number three, <laughs> that's the people who lean towards legalism. Looking in the mirror on that one. Four, you have a harshness towards outsiders but you give insiders slack, or as James calls this, favoritism. In other words, you see people as means to help you, to validate you, because when you practice favoritism, it means your faith is really about you. Five, and probably the most obvious one that you aren't as mature as you think you are is when you tell people you're mature. <laughs> and as I look at that, I sit there and I go, oh, Probably every one of us is sitting there going, yeah, that's been me at some point, if not today, or yeah. Okay, we fall down. So it doesn't really answer the question of how we are mature, except that mature people realize they can't be mature apart from God. So let me talk to you, because Mother's Day theme, we're just going to run this all the way through the sermon today. We're going to talk about this. Let me, as a parent now, I, I understand my parents much more. And let me explain to you the levels of maturity in childhood. I'm not going to go too deep in this, but when babies are formed and born, and they're born, thank you. I'm going to look at the lady in here. She can laugh at me a little more. When the ladies, uh, the ladies, the babies are born, the first thing they do is they cry to let them know they need to be changed and fed. We've been over this before. That's not wrong if you're a new Christian. Somebody feed me. Why we're trying to do these services, why we're so intentional about reaching out is because we know that we have some baby Christians and you can be 70 and be your baby Christian. That's okay, especially if you received Christ in the last year or two. We're okay with that. We want to feed you. We want to help you grow. Wear it with pride, but don't stay there long. Because one of the key elements to growing in your faith is you learn how to feed yourself and take care of yourself. So one of the signs of teenage adolescence is you, you're able to be left alone for a while, but you still need mom and dad with the cell phone, you know, like you still need somebody to, 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 to check into and someone to sit here. Our student uh, minister is here, right? He's probably going, yeah, exactly right. And, and even the difference between middle school and high school, we love you middle school, but you're just, you're not as where the high schoolers are, right? 
And so there's a progression that we're counting on you getting that you know how to, by the time you leave your home, you know how to remember to put on deodorant, amen. That you know how to make at least a grilled cheese sandwich, right? How to make sure that you aren't gonna go broke. The basic things that you grow, you're learning how to take care of yourself. But you know the problem with teenagers? Teenagers think they know them more than their parents. They do. Remember back when you were a teenager? You wouldn't have said it probably to your mom or dad unless you were really brave, right? But there's a time when your mom and you're like, oh, that was so 1970s dad, or oh, that was so 2000s, you know, like whatever. And I, you don't get the culture and how. And so you, you, you almost have pride. And when I look at Carrie's example of people who think they're mature, I'm wondering how often the churches are filled with teenage Christians. People who think they're more mature than they are. Wonder how often I fit in that category. I don't want to admit it. But the surest sign of maturity goes back to exactly what we talked about last week. The surest sign of maturity is to realize, oh, I really can't function in this life on my own. And so that's when he's talking about the sign of adulthood is to realize that you're not always the smartest person in the room. That you need accountability, that you need other people in your life, that you need uh, someone, a friend to hold you accountable. You need to, to daily do your study and to continue to grow and to learn because if you don't understand that, then we're probably not very mature. And as I look at this, in any case, we should live to whatever truth we have attained. I think it's saying attain more. So here's how we do that. We ask God to reveal the things that are hidden, the blind spot. We realize that we need someone to help us. And then we share what we know, living out what we know with the world. Because if you aren't living out what you learned, then your faith is really about you. So here's our our daily training. First of all, I want to say it again. If you've not accepted Christ, please go ahead and reach out to us. We want that. But for those who are in the church and say you've been a Christian for a while, here's my challenge to you. Grow up. Okay, that was, that was a little more blunt of a, a challenge than I normally get. But and what I mean by that is continue to grow. Don't think that you've stopped growing. Grow up by challenging yourself to continue to mature. How do we do that? Ask yourself the following questions. Which, which of the stages do you, do you relate to the most in your life? And ask if you're okay with that. Do I know how to feed myself with the truth of God and able to apply it to my life? If not, then you need to find someone who helps you know the basics because you're still, an adult, uh, still a little child. Do I, speak spirit, do I seek spiritual validation from others? Well, that's kind of a teenager or adolescence phase. So you probably need to realize you're not the smartest person in the room. Finally, do I inwardly accept my dependence on God and maintain an outward focus on others? When you get there, it shows that you're headed in the right direction. Notice I didn't say arrived because you're not going to. So I think that's what we can challenge ourselves this week as we continue to walk through the book of Philippians is to realize that we have so much more to learn. I'm going to realize I don't have all the answers. I'm going to challenge myself to grow in my own walk, to have an interdependence on God, and to lean into Him. As we continue to worship in just a moment, let me give you a time of prayer. Father, I thank You for who You are and how You move in our lives.
be with us. Help us to chase after you with all that we have, with all that we are. Guard us, guide us, and draw us into you. In your name we pray. Amen.